The following is a presentation of Tomorrow's World. We live in volatile times. Considering the dramatic economic, military, and cultural upheavals of the last few years, the Americas, Europe, Asia, and the Middle East are being reconfigured into a completely new world order. The Bible says that the ultimate result of what we see today will be World War III, the most devastating and destructive conflict that the world has ever seen. Exchanges of nightmarish weapons and the clash of armies on scales never before seen will cause carnage and death of a magnitude that mankind has rarely even imagined. Though it will affect the entire globe, this final world war will center on the Middle East and the nations and powers are moving into place right now before our very eyes and in the headlines of our own newspapers. Who will it involve? How will you be impacted? How can you protect yourself and your family? And what can we do? We'll answer those questions in just a few moments. So stay tuned. Greetings and welcome to Tomorrow's World. Today we're going to talk about the most destructive global conflict that mankind has ever or will ever unleash upon itself. A horrific war just ahead of us of unimaginable ferocity and savagery. It's a world war that will begin in the Middle East, but which will ultimately be felt around the world and leave no one untouched. Today, we'll also give you an opportunity to request our free informative booklet on the subject, The Middle East in Prophecy, so you can confirm these details for yourself. Be prepared to take down the contact and internet information that you see on your screen as it appears during the program. Now, the things that we're going to say today are simply a matter of speculation. They're not just looking at headlines and guessing. The conflict that we're going to discuss today is on its way. And it's as certain as the sun's rising tomorrow in the east. Some of our viewers remember the Cold War tension of the post-World War II era. I remember the daily concerns we experienced in America concerning the nuclear arms race, the constant sense of unease about potential conflict with the Soviets, and the talk of potential nuclear Armageddon. I myself had relatives in West Germany who had expressed to my family their fears that Russia wouldn't be satisfied with East Germany forever. And no one imagined the Berlin Wall coming down any day soon. And yet through all of the hysteria and hand-wringing of those years, it was this ministry, the ministry behind this program, beginning with Herbert W. Armstrong, that consistently explained that these things would not happen. We explained that Russia would not bring about the destruction of the United States and the West that there would not be a nuclear holocaust caused by those two nations, that the Berlin Wall was destined to be torn down, allowing East and West Germany to reunite once again, and that Mother Russia would loosen its iron grip on the satellite nations it possessed. And we were right. How? 
Well, it wasn't because we were looking at the newscast of the day or using the writings and the political and economic reports of the day. Many of these events caught all of the news sources and political analysts completely off guard. How do we know with such certainty that these developments would take place while the world watched and worried? We knew because the Bible said that these things would take place. And for those few who understand the Bible, the tale of these events was told far in advance. You know, the Bible, composed of the Old and New Testaments, is truly unique among the religious writings of the world, promising to tell us not only how to live our lives and what our conduct should be amongst our fellow man, but the details of future history. That's all prophecy is. It's history written in advance. God tells us in the pages of the Bible, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Yes, God declares the end from the beginning. What he says is going to happen does happen without fail every time. In this way, God's word, the Bible, is unique. And so what does God's word say about the coming world war? How destructive will it be? Consider the wars mankind has already experienced. World War I was a shock to the peoples of the world. Warfare on a scale previously unseen. It's been approximated that World War I caused the death of more than 16 million people either through direct military action or the famine and disease associated with warfare. So horrifying was that experience that it was called at the time the war to end all wars. But sadly, that was not the case. The next generation experienced collective global tragedy as well, World War II, a conflict that saw the horrors of the Holocaust and the advent of the atomic bomb also saw a terrifying increase in the count of those who died due to warfare and its accompanying famine and disease, a count estimated to be more than 60 million people. Well, what does the Bible say of the future world war to come? In chapter 9 of the book of Revelation, God tells us that this war will kill one-third of mankind. Given today's population, that is more than two billion human beings. One in three lives on the earth will perish in the violent exchange between the powers of this end time clash of civilizations. One in three human beings. It's no wonder that Jesus Christ himself speaks as he does of the times ahead in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 22. Unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. Where will this true war to end all wars begin? For the answer to that question, God's word points us to the Middle East and to a relatively tiny piece of land called Israel. Situated on the east shore of the Mediterranean Sea, this tiny piece of real estate, and in particular the city of Jerusalem, is prophesied by God in his word 
to be the center of focus for all nations during the days leading up to the return of Christ. Let's consider Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 2. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone for all peoples. All who would heave it away will surely be cut in pieces, though all nations of the earth are gathered against it. It's no arbitrary coincidence that the Middle East and the land of Israel continues to be at the heart of geopolitical conflict. Even the recent contentious presidential election in the United States featured tiny Israel as a key debate topic and an emotional issue. When the capital of the United States is almost 6,000 miles away from Jerusalem, the tensions that continue to convulse the Middle East stubbornly will not go away, though the efforts of many have been applied to make it so. The God of heaven explicitly tells us that this land, Israel, will be center stage at the time of the end, preceding the return of Jesus Christ. And the world will not find peace until the problem of Jerusalem is addressed. So if the Middle East is center stage, then who are the actors whom God says will occupy that stage in the last days and in the world war to come? In the next section of our program, we'll summarize the end-time scenario that God lays out for us in His Word concerning this civilization-shattering conflict. But first, let me pause and give you an opportunity to request the free booklet we're sending out today, The Middle East in Prophecy. You know, the headlines come alive when you understand how they fit into prophecy. I don't know of a single book on the market that you could buy that explains this vital part of the world as plainly and simply as this one, laying out for you the details of God's plans in biblical prophecy. And there's no cost or obligation. Just call, click, or write and request your free copy today of the Middle East in Prophecy. To receive this program's offer absolutely free, or if you would like more information, visit our website online at tomorrowsworld.org. Once again, that's tomorrowsworld.org. Or you can write us at the address shown. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World. Call now. Before the break, we spoke of the clash of civilizations the Bible prophesies to occur in the years just ahead of us, a conflict centered in the Middle East that will result in the deaths of one-third of mankind. Revelation chapter 9 describes horrific exchanges reminiscent of today's chemical warfare methods and nuclear weaponry that will devastate the world in a manner never before seen in history. But if the Middle East, and specifically the modern land of Israel, is the stage, who are the actors? 
Who are the nations and peoples at the core of the conflict? Many prophecies of the Bible combine to give us the details of the end time scenario. In the picture they paint that we see ahead of us, a major economic and military power called by Daniel, the king of the north, will power through the Middle East. It'll be confronted by another rival power identified by Daniel as the king of the south, a power with which it may have previously had a brief agreement. The king of the north will press against the king of the south, enter its territory conquering and pillaging until it is troubled by news it hears of armies massing to the north and east on the other side of the Euphrates. Eventually, the river Euphrates is miraculously dried up, allowing these two powers, the king of the north and the kings from the east, to meet in the hill of Megiddo at what is called in Hebrew, Armageddon and gather there for what God calls in Revelation 16, 14, the battle of that great day of God Almighty. The power unleashed by these armies in these times is prophesied to kill billions, bringing mankind to the brink of destroying all life on earth. And yet that time shall be cut short by the return in power and majesty of Jesus Christ to rule this world and usher in the glorious kingdom of God. Our ministry has been proclaiming the truths of these prophecies for decades, and we're now seeing them being fulfilled on the pages of our own newspapers. Who are these great end-time powers? The king of the north, the king of the south, and the third, a massive army led by the kings of the east. And do we see any evidence today of their progress? Well, the kings to the east of Israel are easiest to identify. The Bible describes a 200 million man army whose troops will march over the dried Euphrates. Few nations that could muster such an army exist in the world. Of them, there are two candidates, China and India, both of which lie east of Israel. These two nations together contain around one-third of the entire population of the world. And they will be large contributors to that ultimate horde, as will other key nations. But what are the identities of the king of the north and the king of the south? Can they be identified? Let's consider first the king of the north. This awesome economic and military titan is described in many places in the Bible and is called by many names. We've already referred to it as the king of the north, but it's more commonly known to students of prophecy as the beast of revelation. What is this final mighty kingdom that will have such power and influence on the world stage before Christ's return? In Daniel chapter 2, we read how the prophet Daniel was given a vision of a great image picturing four empires that would dominate much of the Mediterranean world up to the return of Jesus Christ. The fourth empire is widely recognized to be the Roman Empire, a political entity that other scriptures explain would see many resurrections throughout the ages before the return of Christ. Now, the feet of the image were made of iron and clay, and they picture the final resurrection of this empire. We're told about these feet of iron and clay 
in Daniel chapter 2 and verse 41. Whereas you saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. Yet the strength of the iron shall be in it, just as you saw the iron mixed with ceramic clay. And the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay. So the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, just as iron does not mix with clay. This end time power will be partly strong and partly fragile because its component parts don't get along. They don't naturally adhere together just as iron and clay do not. But God tells us that a unifying element will be found to bind these very different nations together. And that element will be a common false religion. In Revelation 17, we see that the beast or that is the final revival of the Roman Empire, is being ridden by a prostitute, which symbolizes a church or religious organization. Who is this power? We see it growing now in today's European Union, plagued with internal strife, yet continually growing in scope and unity in spite of itself, and increasingly being led by the nation of Germany and supported by a Catholic church that seeks to provide the union with conscience and a soul. Using the nation's biblical name of Assyria, Isaiah 10.5 calls Germany the rod of God's anger, which he will wield for his own purposes in the end times. Scripture says that a strong personality will rise up and lead a future more powerful configuration of the European Union to reign over the entire world for a brief time. And the current unrest and economic uncertainty and social discord we see amongst the nations of Europe now is very likely to help make that reconfiguration happen. So what of the king of the south who resists the king of the north and then suffers the consequences? A passage of the Psalms gives us a clue. Turn to Psalm 83 and verse 2. For behold, your enemies make a tumult, and those who hate you have lifted up their head. They've taken crafty counsel against your people and consulted together against your sheltered ones. They've said, come, let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. For they've consulted together with one consent. They form a confederacy against you. The tents of Edom and the Ishmaelites Moab and the Hagrites, Gebal, Ammon and Amalek, Philistia with the inhabitants of Tyre. Now, while the names may seem old and unfamiliar, students of Bible prophecy will recognize these names as indicators of Arabic nations. Bible prophecy indicates the future existence of a confederacy of Arab nations that will oppose Israel, even teaming up for a brief time with Assyria or Germany, as indicated in verse 8. We're told in Daniel chapter 11 that the king of the south would also include Egypt. Let's read there beginning in Daniel 11 and verse 42. Speaking of the king of the north in his push against the king of the south, we're told, 
He shall stretch out his hand against the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. He shall have power over the treasures of gold and silver, and over all the precious things of Egypt. If we look at a map of the Middle East region and consider many of the major Arabic nations, such as Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Egypt, Qatar, and the United Arab Emirates, we see that they are south of Israel and Jerusalem. Of course, their general animosity toward Israel is legendary. And the Arab Spring of 2012, in which many Arab nations began to see their long-standing authority questioned and protested by groups within their own borders, some of whom are radical Muslim extremists, has thrown the political world there in the Middle East into a tailspin. The political deck of cards in the region is being completely reshuffled. This can ultimately serve to enable the reconfiguration of the Middle East and the Arabic nations into the confederacy of the king of the south predicted by prophecy. So too can the continuing menace posed by Iran. Iran is not part of the king of the south. It is east of Jerusalem, not south. And it's not an Arabic nation, but is instead Persian and is known in the Bible by its ancient name of Persia. As the New York Times reported in November 2012, Iran's Arabic neighbors see the nation as a common enemy on par with or even surpassing their hatred for Israel. The king of Saudi Arabia is reported to have even requested the U.S. to attack Iran directly. And the defense chief of the United Arab Emirates has compared Iranian President Ahmadinejad to Hitler. As a common enemy in the region, the presence of the eastern power of Iran is generating sentiment that will help form the Arabic power called in the Bible the king of the south. God knows what he's talking about. Only God is able to declare the end from the beginning. Again, let me encourage you to request our free booklet, The Middle East in Prophecy. That land may seem far away, but the Bible guarantees that events there in the days just ahead will dramatically and intimately affect you and your family personally. Let us show you without any obligation whatsoever what the Bible says in its powerful prophecies. There's no cost, no obligation, no request for donation. We simply know that the time is very short and want this information safely in the hands of as many people as possible. Your copy is already paid for. Request it today. To receive this program's offer absolutely free, or if you would like more information, visit our website online at tomorrowsworld.org. Once again, that's tomorrowsworld.org. Or you can write us at the address shown. With this offer, you will also receive your free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, full of timely articles and unique insights on today's important issues. Tomorrow's World magazine keeps you up to date with world trends, Bible prophecy, and the very meaning of life itself. Tomorrow's World. Call now.
The inspired record of God's word lays out for us the end time scenario that we will see in the Middle East in a few short years ahead of us. And our headlines declare that that scenario is coming together just as God described. But we do not have to wonder and worry about the future. God promises in Amos chapter 3 and verse 7, Surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. The details of prophecy put the lie to those preachers who claim that Christ may come at any moment. Now, why you or I may individually die and wake up to face our creator at our resurrection. The fact is, Christ is not returning to this earth tonight. I give you my word. There are still prophecies yet to be fulfilled, which must be fulfilled before he returns. And yet we cannot become spiritually lazy. As we've seen, these prophecies are being fulfilled before our very eyes. And it's God, not the crafty, scheming governments of man. It's God who controls the pace of these events. And if you're not being spiritually lazy, if you're being called by God, and your mind is being open to his purpose, his plan, his way, as I know many of you out there are right now watching this program. And if you're responding to that call by God, then the terrible time that will be unleashed on the world by these three powers soon to emerge on the world scene is not a cause to despair. In fact, if you believe that you're being shown real truths of the Bible in the materials you've received from us, feel free to contact one of our local representatives at the number found in your magazine or on our website at tomorrowsworld.org. Rather than a pit of despair concerning the times to come, God's word offers remarkable hope. Turn to Isaiah chapter 19 and verse 24, where God speaks of a time after all of this conflict, a time when Jesus Christ will be ruling the world with his saints in the kingdom of God. And look at what it says at the ultimate state of these end time adversaries. In that day, Israel will be one of three with Egypt and Assyria a blessing in the midst of the land whom the Lord of hosts shall bless, saying, Blessed is Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. What a beautiful and inspiring contrast to the time pictured right before the return of Christ. And what a privilege the saints of God will have to work alongside the glorified Jesus Christ to make the world such a place in the magnificent and soon coming kingdom of God. Please don't forget to request the free literature we've offered today, the Middle East in Prophecy, and visit us on Facebook and Twitter or on our website at tomorrowsworld.org. And tune in every week at this same time and channel where Roderick Meredith, Richard Ames, Rod King, and I will continue to teach you the life-changing truth of tomorrow's world. See you right here next week. To receive this program's offer absolutely free, or if you would like more information, visit our website online at tomorrowsworld.org. Once again, that's tomorrowsworld.org. Or you can write us at the address shown.
to view the Tomorrow's World telecast or request today's free offer, visit us online at tomorrowsworld.org. And remember to find us on Facebook and be sure to follow us on Twitter. The preceding program is produced by the Living Church of God.